Welcome, witches, wizards, uh, mutants, peculiars, uh, and all to Bad, the Bad Movie Sunday Academy for, well, ungifted, for ungifted losers. <laughs> um, where no one here is special. To semi-quote slash twist the words, uh, the wise words of syndrome, <laughs> uh, if no one is special everyone is so well i mean i'm now realizing that we're kind of airing uh on the side of magneto with that statement but you know um, what? that was sweet though that, that was a nice sweet statement yeah you know what if you come to our specialty school for non-special people <laughs> like us <laughs> because everyone is not special that makes everyone spoke well i don't know how much well, sense that makes but <laughs> Something. There's a nugget of truth in there somewhere. We just are not going to dig that deep today. Yeah, this is a school full of humans, uh, humos, if you will. (laughs) So none of us are special, but we're all... In this together? In this together. We're all not special together. We're all not special together. Got our heads in the game. Bop, bop, bop to the top. (laughs) Um, Except none of us can sing or like do basketball or anything. Um... Enrollment starts next week, if you're interested. Uh, bad movie school for for bad for bad movies <laughs> to go to. And we have our first enrollment in this school for bad movies, which is very exciting. It is the movie Slaughterhouse Rules, which we will be grading today as the, the teachers of this fine institution. If you haven't heard of Slaughterhouse Rules... Us neither. <laughs> yeah. kind of flew <laughs> you know, under the radar. Have. Yeah. Um, but it is a very special movie because we are doing this as part of our uh, three episodes this year for October that are Halloween focused. And that's especially relevant today because even though we're not releasing this on Halloween, this movie came out on Halloween in 2018. <gasps> Did it so actually? we're kind of having like a full circle moment. Wow. Wow. Well, that is fitting. Trying to get back into the spooky season this year. We released Pride and Prejudice and Zombies last, not last week, but two weeks ago, our last episode. If you haven't listened to that, she was pretty good. She was pretty good. Both episode and uh, movie. So give her a listen if you so choose. (laughs) And to continue with the spooky theme, we decided to do this movie because of, mainly because of the name, which has Slaughterhouse in it, which sounds pretty spooky. (laughs) Yeah, this I appreciate because it's a lot like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies in that it's spooky, but it's not scary. Then again, yes. I mentioned this last time too, but I watched Pride and Prejudice and Zombies in the daytime, and I watched this movie in the daytime too. Yeah. So that, you know, considerably lessens the scariness of it. But it's still, I don't think, a really scary movie it's uh executive produced by simon Pegg and nick frost who we all know and love from the cornetto trilogy and i feel like it has kind of the same type of scariness in quotes as Shaun of the dead which is also not Mm -hmm. that scary but it's still a very good movie (laughs) this movie came out a couple years ago and amy and i are both huge, huge, immensely huge fans of the fantastic work of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, both individually and especially the stuff they do together. The Cornetto trilogy is, I think, some of my favorite movies of 
maybe all time. They're so good. They're so funny. So well acted. The writing is incredible. So um, when I heard that they were going to be teaming up again for another like parody type movie, I was so excited. And then the trailer came out and I wasn't really sure what to think of it. And then I kind of forgot about it. And it's been years. And um, now we have uh, finally watched it for this movie. It got not great reviews so we decided why don't we just watch it for bad movie sunday and see kind of what what it was all about yes and this is our third season doing this podcast and it's our fun season trying to you know get movies that we think we're gonna like or that we've seen already and we have liked and because we love simon Pegg and nick frost this seemed like a perfect fun season Halloween movie. And I just want to add that this is the first film from Stolen Picture, which is a mm. film and TV production company formed by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And I checked and I think Slaughterhouse Rules is the only movie under that name so far. Uh, they also produced this TV show called Truth Seekers, but I think it's only those two for now. Okay, I was wondering if there was other content that they made by it, because I haven't like heard of any movies since that have had both of them in it or that have, you know, I haven't heard of the production company since then. We love their work, so I hope that they end up doing more. I hope this movie didn't flop so hard that they couldn't continue with it. But the thing is, uh, the Cornetto trilogy was made with them as the lead actors and Edgar Wright as the director and even though this movie wasn't directed by Edgar Wright, it still has, like, the same vibe, like, the same... It could easily fit in with the other three movies that they made together. So I don't know why... I mean, I think Shaun of the Dead and The World's End and Hot Fuzz got, like, relatively good reviews. So I don't know why people are hating on Slaughterhouse Rules so much. Well, I... <laughs> Okay, oh? if you listen oh? to our last episode where we talked about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Amy and I had very differing opinions about that movie. Oh, and I feel like no. this might be another case of the Mondays or the Sundays, <laughs> should I say, with this episode. I'm getting a feel now for, I think, how you feel about this movie. I don't want to give away too much too early because we are going to do a deep dive into our thoughts, but... I'm thinking we're going to be on opposite sides of this war again. This truly is a scary season. Like, two (laughs) for two already. We have disagreed. And for all of you who haven't listened to a lot of episodes here, we rarely, if ever, disagree on movies like this. I don't know what's gotten into us or these movie choices this year, but... Damn, girl. Okay, well, you it's know what? This time, it's it's my turn as the defense, and you're the prosecutor, <laughs> and, you know, we're going to settle this out in court, in, in Bad Movie Sunday court. Yes. Bang, bang, bang. Um, One of us is Judge Judy. Actually, we're both <laughs> Judge Judy. <laughs> so. uh, I am J- Judge Judy. You can be Judge Judy's evil twin. <laughs> Judge Trudy. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so we got Judge Judy and Judge Trudy mm-hmm. ready to call a verdict at the end of this episode. Um, uh, we're gonna both gonna, state our case. They're gonna, um, they're gonna do their their judge duty. Oh God! <laughs> oh girl! <laughs> oh God! Okay, well, to start off, for anybody who hasn't heard of Slaughterhouse Rules, which I assume is everybody else. So I have a little summary uh, here from IMDb to give you a sense of what this movie is about. Here it goes. 
an illustrious British boarding school becomes a bloody battleground when a mysterious sinkhole appears at a nearby fracking site, unleashing unspeakable horror. A bloody battleground? Yeah, at a British boarding school. Now, I do love these type of uh, dark academia, yes. these kind of boarding school, but something creepy or something uh, sinister is, is lurking just beneath the surface. It kind of has, at least the first half of it, kind of has like a dead poet society yes. uh, kind of vibe. And I, I just got to say, that's num- my number one case is I love those type of stories. Okay. Inch- I mean, it definitely does. And especially from the trailer, which I saw back in like 2018 or 2016, whenever this movie came out, definitely made it seem like it was going to be a parody of those types of movies. Like, and it kind of is, but it's kind of a parody of those like teen child uh, boarding schools for special kids stories like uh, Harry Potter with Hogwarts and uh, Xavier's school for X-Men and the Peculiar Children, whatever that one's called. Uh, Miss, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, um, yeah. All those kind of like special schools where the kids are sent away from their parents and they have to like figure out some mystery that's going on at the school. Um, and it is for the most part. I don't think I had an ending to that sentence. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I see. Okay, so maybe we had like, just like in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, this is... Uh, P&P and Z Part 2. I came into that movie having different expectations of what it was going to end up being. Was that kind of the same thing for you as you thought it was going to be more like X-Men style and and the kids were going to have powers or something and then it turned out not to be like that? Yes, I will go deeper into my kind of issues, I guess, I have with the movie later on when we're uh, kind of breaking down our thoughts. But I definitely think that a a lot of my kind of negativity, I guess, toward this had to do with my expectations because I I went in expecting something and that's not what it was. In the words of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, lower your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone seen our Tooth Fairy episode or seen that movie? Yeah, okay. So I had the same problem with with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies where I was expecting something else and then the movie that started playing in my head when I uh, initially read about the movie was different than the movie that I actually ended up seeing. So I see. So it sounds like we're in kind of uh, a Freaky Friday situation. (laughs) We swapped bodies. Now, uh, (laughs) you're the one who came into this with different expectations. Last time it was me. I'm Jim Lynch. You are... (laughs) Sorry, 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 so sorry. I hate to disrupt this little back and forth we have going. I know exactly where you're going with this. This is the thing that I always mix up actors. (laughs) So Jane Lynch, who we all know and love from Glee, among other projects, is, I hate to break it to you, not <laughs> not the mom in Freaky Friday, who was actually played by oh, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Lee Curtis. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Okay, it's well, not. But I mean, she does. I have the same name. Jane, 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 Jamie, Jamie Lynch. You can mix them up. Right? <laughs> Jamie Lynch, Judge Trudy. This is, <laughs> we're in the Upside Down. This is the Opposite Day episode. It really is um, spooky season now. 
yeah, we very rarely have moments like this where we um, come into this with totally different uh, viewpoints. Yeah, uh, about what you were saying about the expectations, I think part of the reason that I liked this movie was I came into this with the expectation that it was just going to be another kind of, I guess, installment, if you can say, in, into the Cornetto series. I didn't think it was, you know, I didn't watch the trailer, so I didn't okay. really come into it thinking it was going to be like parodying you know, the X-Men movies and, and stuff like that. And I don't think it was trying to be after uh, watching it. Maybe because I've been watching a lot of, you know, British <laughs> school shows. I've been watching what the show Sex mean? Education. Oh, okay. Um, it's like a teen show. It takes place in, a, in Britain somewhere. And I feel like that's just how the schools are. I feel like they're all just like that, you know? Okay, well, I... <laughs> probably have to stop watching trailers because i saw you know kind of castle school in england and i was like oh it's a very fun parody um and it wasn't so i mean there were i will say there were some aspects that were harry potter parody yeah but yeah it, it wasn't if you're coming into this thinking it's like these kids are gonna have superpowers and and that's where the freaky part comes from Sadly not. This is just like a, a normal school with creatures uh, lurking beneath, literally lurking beneath the surface. Because they yes. underground. Sorry yeah, to spoil, but something <laughs> freaky is going on underground. So um, if you like Amy and you have enjoyed this movie or feel like you will enjoy this movie, maybe you uh, won't need this. But if you're like me and don't think you're going to enjoy this movie, maybe you <laughs> will need a drink to get through this. Yeah, so uh, like I said, this movie involves some kind of spooky stuff going on underneath the school grounds. And um, a big part of this movie involves fracking, which is involves a, a kind of toxic process in the earth. And so the drink we have for today is called the Toxic Tonic. And the website that I'm getting this drink recipe from is, mm, wait for it, Mantitlement.com. Mantitlement.com. Yeah, that's a little a little portmanteau of the words man and entitlement. Um, (laughs) Next time you can just say man. Am I right? (laughs) Anyways, so to make this drink, you're going to need one ounce of pineapple rum, one ounce of Midori, half an ounce of moonshine, a splash of pineapple juice, and you're going to need to top it with tonic and garnish with a pineapple wedge and cherry. So um, how to make it is you just need to shake the rum, Midori, moonshine, and pineapple juice in a shaker filled with ice. Then you pour into a glass filled with ice and top off with the tonic, and then you garnish with the pineapple wedge cherry and umbrella Mm, they didn't mention the umbrella before but this is a nice surprise there's also an umbrella involved (laughs) i hope they mean one of those little umbrellas actually this is mantitlement.com okay you (laughs) want to make your manly man toxic tonic drink you're right you're gonna put a full umbrella in there yes god full umbrella And of course, to go along with that, we have a couple points to a drinking game that you can drink along to either to this movie, if you're going to watch it, or to our podcast whenever these things happen. So my first point to the drink, I think Amy and I are going to go back and forth, is whenever a fire 
turns green. Ooh, okay, I have that one too. Um, I have every time someone smokes. Okay, I have every time someone says frack. This is good. I have either anytime someone dies on screen or they mention somebody who's already dead. That's good. I also had that one. That one happens a lot, especially in the second half. So (laughs) (laughs) my last one is every time Simon Pegg FaceTimes Margot Robbie. Yeah, we're going to get into the cast of this movie. (laughs) This is good. My last one is every time they kill one of the creatures. That was good. Okay, so those are the points for the drinking game. You can drink along, make this movie a bit more enjoyable for yourself. Unless you're like Amy and you will just enjoy it regardless. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's pretty much the end of our non-spoilery section. We are going to be breaking down the movie scene by scene, talking about our thoughts in depth now. So if you want to watch it by yourself, you can go away. It's on Netflix, at least at the time that we are recording this. So you can watch it yourself, come back and listen to our thoughts. Otherwise, we're going to get into it right now. Yeah, you mentioned the cast, and I kind of want to go over a few key members of this cast first, because this is a stacked cast. Um, We've already mentioned Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So Simon Pegg plays Meredith Houseman, who uh, in the school, there's kind of like different colleges, I guess. um, And he's kind of the head of this college that we're following, which is Sparta. Uh, And then we also have Nick Frost as Woody Chapman, this kind of eco-environmentalist guy who's against the fracking on school grounds. Let's go over the the rest of the cast, though. We have Margot Robbie, as you said, as Audrey. We have Michael Sheen as the headmaster of the school, The Bat. Asa Butterfield, who uh, I mentioned Sex Education a while ago. It's a Netflix show. He's in that, too. He's great. He was also in, I mentioned, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Oh, well, so he's kind of everywhere. Tiny, and he's in, like, every <laughs> British school child show. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the kids, we have Finn Cole playing Don, our, our lead here. We have Hermione Corfield playing Clemsy, his love interest. Yeah, this is a a stacked cast. Yeah, absolutely stacked. It's one of those movies where, like, you're just kind of watching it and every 10 minutes an actor will pop in. You're like, they're in this. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Got some good little moments like that. Um, I'm very excited to get into the the plot, though. So I think I think we'll get into that right now. First, I think, you know, uh, we should mention some content warnings because this movie does touch on a, a couple of, you know, heavier subjects so you know just general content warning for suicide there were mentions of it not to go a little too far but there was like a depiction of someone almost committing suicide there are a couple of homophobic slurs you know thrown in there um and we're not talking about cigarettes (laughs) and you know just to keep in mind before we get into the actual story just so you can evaluate whether you want to watch this for yourself or not yeah, we, um, at least the way I kind of wrote my notes on this, I tried to kind of not talk about that too much because it is like, especially the suicide stuff, like it's it's not just like a kind of one scene thing that happens. It's like a theme throughout the whole movie. It comes up a lot. So, yeah, this may not be the movie for you if that's something that you uh, do not want to hear about. So be warned. Um, But we'll try not to sort of touch on it too much because this movie does go quite dark. Yeah. 
Um, but it starts off pretty lighthearted. So we get introduced to our main character, Don, who is kind of, you know, from a working class family, I guess. Um, so his, his mom signed him up for this fancy boarding school called Slaughterhouse, <laughs> which is a great name for school. Not a red flag at all. Not a red flag at all. Even the, the first thing he says is it's a bit of a weird name for a school. <laughs> but he has no problems with it because he... Uh, <laughs> Ends up going anyway. Well, his mom is like, you got to go to this school. And he's like, "Mm, no. And she's like, there'll be hot girls. And he's like, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, if Slaughterhouse isn't already kind of a red flag for a school name, the school motto is Percades at Astra, which is Latin for through slaughter to immortality. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, uh, okay, Uh, I don't want to, like, get into my thoughts too early, but this was another, like, expectations thing that, like, I built up this kind of movie in my head that it wasn't, where just, like, from the name, like, Slaughterhouse Rules, and this school is called Slaughterhouse, and they talk about the, like, backstory of the school, and, you know, their their motto is about slaughtering. I don't know, I was (laughs) expecting this kind of, like, I don't know, almost Hunger Games thing where like the kids ah. would have to like kill each other or they're being trained to kill or something um but it's not it's just like a normal school <laughs> so yeah okay you know what i see where you're coming from slaughterhouse yeah the way that they set it up even when the mom in the next scene drops don off at school he's he's kind of nervous about it and she's like what are they gonna do eat you alive so there's <laughs> Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, build up, a lot of foreshadowing, something that, you know, is a little different than than what you think it might be. Yeah, I get that. So um, Don is dropped off at this school called Slaughterhouse. Um, <laughs> and his mom sent him there because he's kind of like, you know, he's down and he's depressed and he's not like really doing much with his life. So his mom wants to like straighten him up and get him to do something. So he gets to the school and we get introduced to his roommate, Asa Butterfield, who we get a little bit of backstory about him that apparently the previous roommate that Asa Butterfield was paired with was this guy, Viscount Seymour, who hanged himself a year ago. But we kind of, uh, that that's a, a mystery sort of about what happens to him and that whole backstory that gets unfurled throughout the rest of the movie. So we get introduced to him and we get introduced to how the school works. So similar to Hogwarts <laughs> slash we, Amy and I have a friend that uh, moved to England a couple years ago and I learned from her that apparently this is just how British schools work in general. <laughs> They're <laughs> divided into houses. I thought it was just a Harry Potter thing. So this school is no exception. It's also broken up into different houses. We've got Andromeda, which is an all-girls house. We've got Olympus for jocks. Xenophon um, for nerds who probably know what that word means. Um, and the last one is Sparta for losers, basically. Also called uh, Farda, which is a good pun there. Yeah. Um, and that is the house that Don is placed in because, of course, it is. And for those of you wondering, yes, of course, they have uh, to make a this is Sparta joke later on. <laughs> so we also get introduced to uh, a bunch of other characters that are going to be important for the rest of the movie. So we first get introduced to uh, Don, his roommate Will, uh, and then we get introduced to Clemsy, who is Don's love interest. I think she's actually the girl on the pamphlet that 
the mom so gave too. him at the beginning. Yeah. So he really likes her. He goes over to talk to her. Um, he's nervous because he feels like he doesn't belong there. The first thing she says to him is, I, I don't think you belong here. And he's like, what? And she's like, oh, you're standing with the girl's house. Um, <laughs> you belong on the other side of the room. He's like, oh, okay. Um, so they, you know, get to talking. But she is one of the senior students. She's an upper six. So he kind of gets reprimanded by this guy, Clegg, who is... <laughs> Literally, Draco Malfoy. Um, <laughs> is this like bleach blonde, slicked hair bitch boy? <laughs> and I love this line when he's getting introduced, and Don is like, "Who's that guy? What? Who does he think he is?" Asa Butterfield has that great line that just like fits so well with Draco Malfoy. He's like, "Yeah, he's a uh, Matthew Clerg. He comes from a long line of war criminals." <laughs> I'm like, Draco? (laughs) Did somebody say Draco Balfour? (laughs) Yeah, so we meet Clegg, and then we meet the headmaster of the school. Um, There's this kind of school meeting going on. Uh, We meet the headmaster of the school, the bat. And they call him that because when he uh, moves his his arms and his little... It kind of is like a a Hogwarts-esque get up that they gotta mm-hmm. wear his little cape kind of billows out and it looks like bat's wings so they call him the bat um he's got this kind of snape thing going on for a bit of it yeah um, he's also uh michael sheen by the way from uh good omens fame yeah, uh, who weirdly do little oh my god or do little <laughs> damn it yeah <laughs> And uh, the only other teacher, really, that we get introduced to is Simon Pegg, who is, uh, like we said, the head of the house that Don is in. Am I the only one that thinks that Simon Pegg and Michael Sheen look really similar? Maybe. <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> okay. <laughs> I was in a way expecting that answer. But it's it was, it's uh, good that you've seen a lot of Simon Pegg movies. Otherwise, this movie would have been very confusing for you. I think the only reason why I didn't mess them up is because I know Simon Pegg and his movies so well. <laughs> but otherwise, there were like a couple scenes where Michael Sheen would come in. And I was like, is that Simon Pegg? But it wasn't. It was Michael Sheen. <laughs> I almost forgot. We also get introduced to my favorite character, the most important character, the most pivotal characters to the whole story, to the whole plot, um, is Mr. Chips, who is Michael <laughs> Sheen's dog in this. He's a cute little dog. I don't want to spoil too much. He does not die by the end of the movie. He's perfectly alive. Everything is a-okay on that front. Um, well, do not I worry. Have questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we also get a little bit of a backstory on this school and mm, why it's called Slaughterhouse. <laughs> Basically, Slaughterhouse was the name of the town. I guess that it, it used to reside in and back in the crusade times there was this old knight and his dog that looks suspiciously like Mr. Chips. Um <laughs> they killed this beast back then and they were gifted the land um that that he built this school on. And that's kind of the the backstory that I oh again we'll say more later, but I don't know. I expected it to come full circle a little bit more. But they do kind of set up here that they're it's a myth for them, but there was like a beast in uh, medieval times that used to kind of roam these lands. We kind of get the sense that the beast, or shall I say beasts, are not dead yet because now uh, during the school meeting, the bat also says that the woods behind the school are out of bounds because there's <laughs> this fracking project that's 
going on and kind of disrupting the earth. It's like, um, if you've seen the movie Tremors, there's a little element of that about, you know, these creatures underneath the uh, the earth getting angry. Yeah, um, I think this opening kind of scene where we get introduced to all the characters and the houses and the school and everything and Michael Sheen is talking about the rules. I think this is the scene that parodies Harry Potter kind of the most. There's just like the lines they say are like straight out of Harry Potter. Like when they're talking about, you know, don't go into the dangerous forest behind the school. It's Michael Sheen doing that line from Dumbledore from the first Harry Potter where he's like, the, the, the forest is off bounds for anyone who does not wish to die a most painful death. <laughs> it's just like he does the same like line word for word. I love your impression, by the way. This is very good. Thank you. I practice every night before bed. (laughs) (laughs) So there are a lot of people who are unhappy with this fracking project going in. And some of these anti-frackers come into the school and they hand out these pamphlets that are like, stop the fracking. And then uh, Michael Sheen's like, get out of here. And the fucking Draco Malfoy guy beats all these guys up. Uh, we don't see it. He takes him outside, but but he comes back all bloody. Uh, he's like, it's not my blood or something like that. Anyways, he's like a mix of Draco and Lucius. Like, because he's got <laughs> the look of Draco, but he's he's got like Lucius's cane and he's not a bitch. <laughs> like, I love Draco. Draco's such a whiny bitch. This dude, like, actually gets stuff done, you know? Like, he's out here, like, beating people up. He's also, like, a sergeant for no reason. This school has an army for some reason. Yeah, Um, they just, like, fucking give guns to all these kids, and they're, like, unsupervised. They're just like, yeah, you know what? Go and shoot some stuff. Including other kids, I guess. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> um, he also has, I guess, the power to give out punishments, I guess, because he's like an upperclassman as well. So Dawn, our main character, has a thing for Clemsy, the popular girl. And Draco, I'm literally just going to call him Draco. This whole yeah, thing. Okay. <laughs> I can't be bothered with his name. Draco overhears them, gets super jealous and gives Dawn and his uh, his his friends, his roommates, detention to run laps. So him and Asa Butterfield decide to take a shortcut because they don't want to run all the way back to the school. So they take a shortcut through the Forbidden Forest and they come across this giant mysterious tower being built and right next to it, a sinkhole leading to these underground tunnels that supposedly run all through the land and under the school and everything that has this like flammable gas in it. And they get scared away by the workers there and as they're running away through the forest they run into a camp that has the same guys that broke into the school earlier and were like down with the fracking um (laughs) and the camp is run by none other than nick frost i went into this and i thought it was just gonna be simon pegg in this movie i was worried that nick frost was not gonna be in it so i was very pleasantly surprised when he came (laughs) out It's unfortunate that they don't have more scenes together. Yeah. Um, I think there's only like one or two where, where they're side by side. But uh, yeah, Nick Frost's other half of the dream team is yes. in this. And he kind of spills the tea on, on what's going on with the fracking. He says that 
he and all these other environmentalist people think that there's something suspicious about the sinkhole because the bat, who is the headmaster of the school, played by Michael Sheen, and the CEO of TerraFrac, which is the fracking company, used to be old school friends. So he's like, what's going on there? And he also tries to sell them drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we kind of get the, the gist of what's going on here. There's this fracking company that wants to mine the gas for some reason. I don't really know how fracking works. So <laughs> Same, I think they get, they give money to the school for using the land to get the stuff from under the ground. So there's a little deal going on there between Michael Sheen and the the TerraFrac dude, I guess. But yeah, it's a lot of a lot of bad players in this game. So mm-hmm. Don is not happy being at this school. He's, you know, freaked out a lot of the time because this fucking Draco Malfoy guy is always on his ass. He calls his mom, he's like, please take me home. I don't want to be here. And his mom was like, you're going to be coming back for the weekend. It's going to be okay. At some point, he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's kind of sneaking around the dorm and he falls into the basement and finds the grave of this guy named Teddy Chapman. And he's like, okay, this is really fucking freaky. I want to go home now. Uh, After he calls his mom and the mom says, you know, you're going to come home this weekend, uh, Clemsy finds him and she takes Don to Smoker's Corner, which is like where all the cool smoking kids hang out and they smoke. So take a drink. And then she kind of spills the tea on Will's old roommate. So the guy that he kind of took this guy's place he's kind of will is asa butterfield by the way yeah so his roommate's old dead roommate (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) this is a confusing cast of characters but basically the guy who had a mysterious death last semester and she kind of tells him what happened he was gay and the draco malfoy guy caught him with another boy and she doesn't mention who the boy is but Over the course of the movie, you get the sense that it's Asa Butterfield. And then he was so upset by everything and he he hated being at the school that he decided to hang himself. And that's kind of the the mystery about him. And then, of course, they get interrupted in this conversation by fucking Draco Malfoy (laughs) in this full, full, like, military uniform Uh and he's got like a full gun with (laughs) bullets and he's like hey get out of smoker's corner and he starts shooting them he tries to kill them (laughs) he's just tries to kill them zero to a hundred baby it i how did we get to this point he's like smoking's bad for you but you know what's even worse me with the gun bitch (laughs) Yeah, he tries to, like, shoot at them. He, like, throws a flare at them, which lands on the lake next to the school, which connects to those tunnels, I guess, that that go under the school, which has the toxic gas in it. So the lake blows up. Yeah, and then they all have to go to the headmaster's office, again, Michael Sheen, and tell him what happened. And Michael Sheen is just like, yeah. It happens. And they're like, oh, (laughs) are we going to call someone? Because the lake is literally on fire. Also, Simon Pegg is there. Simon Pegg is like, can we please, like, call the police or, like, the fire department or just, like, somebody, literally anybody. And Michael Sheen's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's like, um, instead of doing something about this situation, which I won't, um, I'm going to punish Will and Don, uh, the two roommates, our boy Asa Butterfield and, and Don, for smoking and causing a, a ruckus. And you're not allowed to go home this weekend. Also, this dude, Draco Malfoy, can punish you however he likes, you know, all weekend. And they're like, great. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Either a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it, that they had to stay the weekend. Um, because w- what ends up happening this weekend is the people that were working at the fracking site uh, that are trying to, like, mine the gas, there's something big that has been coming up on their radar every so often. And it finally kind of breaks out of the underground tunnels and attacks them and wipes out, like, everyone working at this fracking site and also everyone at Nick Frost's camp nearby. And uh, we, we hear, like, explosions and there's, like, fires and stuff coming from the forest. So Don, Asa Butterfield, and Clemsy and some other friends, they decide to go investigate. So, like, what is going on over there? Because they are all staying uh, here for the weekend. So they go out to the woods to investigate. And there's this, like, mole dragon mole <laughs> creature that attacks like a, them a worm or yeah. some, it's like um kind of like the alien from alien slimy type thing but like it's a baby size nasty. yeah and it attacks them um and clumsy brutally murders it and they all run back to the school only to find out that there is more of these creatures out there it wasn't just this little baby worm there are big dragon worms out there that has followed them back to the school and they try to warn the headmaster about this they're like "Mm, there's literally like monsters out there and they're coming for us all and we're all gonna die and the headmaster's like "Mm, um sucks i guess nothing i can do about it (laughs) and then there's this like nurse lady or something the the matron of the school whatever that means she's like in the room with them and she's looking out the window and mr chips is barking his head off and she's you know going over to investigate what he's looking at and she's like oh there's just a a big dog in the in the front yard and then this fucking worm thing comes in and eats her she dies um (laughs) so take a drink and then the headmaster's like oh maybe this is a problem so (laughs) he and the kids go in his car and they're gonna go they're supposed to go to like the police station to report this or something and by the way if you didn't think michael sheen in this movie was already despicable for any number of reasons he also leaves his dog mr chips in the house and doesn't take him into the car so mm, fuck him (laughs) but mr chips of course doesn't want to die in this monster filled castle school so he runs out as everyone else is getting into the car to drive away to the police station and michael sheen backs over him well, we think he backs over him. Uh, turns out he backed over one of the creatures. Mr. Chips is okay. I just gotta reiterate, Mr. Chips lives through this whole damn movie. Okay. Um, this is like this is like that meme. I've only known Mr. Chips for a day and a half. <laughs> but if anything happened to him, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. So Mr. Chips is okay. Okay, we just gotta stress this multiple times. Mr. Chips does not die. Do we care about the humans? No. They can die. But the dog? <laughs> but Mr. Chips lives. <laughs> yes. So he backs over this um, alien thing, and he thinks it's Mr. Chips. So Michael Sheen goes out to investigate. Wrong move, because immediately, dead. (laughs) He dies. And then the kids have to take the car themselves. 
And so Don and Clemsy are both kind of driving. There's no one in the driver's seat. So Don is like doing the brakes and stuff. And Clemsy's like on the wheel. So um, they they get out of there. They end up in like a hedge or something. There's this creature that crawls onto the car. They kill it. And then as they're leaving the town, Clemsy has this moment of morality or something where she's like, the whole time during the course of this movie, she's been hanging out with this dude. And we think that he's her boyfriend. And she's like, I can't leave my brother uh, at the school. And Don is like, hang on a second, your brother? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that dude, he was my brother. And Don is so happy about this because it means he has a chance with Clemsy that he's like, yeah, of course, of course, you got to save your brother. <laughs> I mean, he's your brother. We got to save your brother. I mean, yeah, let's go back. We we have to save your brother. This kind of Han Solo <laughs> moment. <laughs> I always think about that moment in Return of the Jedi when Leia tells, oh, spoilers for Star Wars, I guess, you haven't fucking seen it since <laughs> 77, but <laughs> when Leia tells Han that Luke is her brother and he has this look of, thank God. But yeah. I, he has this like look on his face where I always imagine that he's thinking of that scene from <laughs> Empire where Leia and Luke are kissing. <laughs> I know he's just like trying to figure that out. God, that's so funny. Anyway, um, yeah, it's her brother this whole time. <laughs> so her brother is also kind of in the upper years in the school, he's in upper six, I think, also. And he's being inaugurated as the head of the house or something like that. Anyways, there's this huge orgy for him that they throw. <laughs> um, everyone is in togas and they're speaking Latin dirty style to each other. And they're, you know, all just having sex with each other. And he's also, you know, tied up and being whipped in front of everyone. And he's like kind of uh, half conscious at this point. So Don is like, okay, who's going to go get the brother? And then Clumsy's like, mm, you go. And he's like, great, <laughs> it's your brother. So he and Clumsy go and get the brother. He's got to be carried out of this place. And like in any good horror movie, out of the lake, beside where this house party orgy is, comes out these creatures and starts snacking on the rest of the kids. So they kill a couple, they get the brother out of there, and at this point, they also run into Simon Pegg. And mm -hmm. he's like, hey guys, what's going on here? Um, not about the orgy, just about everything in general. <laughs> also, there's a, there's a blackout at this point in the school. So there's just a lot going on. Simon Pegg's like, hey, man, what's going on? They're like, um, there's just some creatures munching on the rest of the students. And he's like, oh, interesting. Can I come with you? That looks scary. <laughs> <laughs> so they all have to fight for their lives to get out of this, the worst toga party of all time. <laughs> and they decide, because they realize now that it's not just one monster, it's not just two monsters. There's this whole, like, flock of monsters. Rack, I don't know what... <gasps> Crack. That is very good and very fitting. <laughs> um, so they decide that naturally there's probably a nest of them. So they need to go take out the nest. So they go to naturally the school firearm deposit or whatever <laughs> uh, to go get guns and stuff to, to take out the nest. But of course, Draco is waiting for them there and he just straight up tries to kill them. 
straight up tries to murder these children and Simon Pegg, a full-ass teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he does shoot Simon Pegg. Um, he's okay, though. He's okay, now. though. Um, well, he's okay no. until we say he's not, which is, <laughs> give it five seconds. Uh, he's okay now. Draco is like, I'm gonna shoot Don and his roommate Will, and then Don is like, I don't think so, bitch, and he like attacks him, and they're like kind of wrestling on the ground, and then this nerd dude, who's also with them, shoots Draco Malfoy in the neck, and you think, oh, Draco's dead because he shot him in the neck. No, Draco's dead because out of the window comes another creature and chomps his arms off and just kind of takes him away, and you're like, oh, great. He's done. We hated him. This is good. Um, the creature also chomps on Simon Pegg no! and uh, takes him away. So then the kids have to run into the underground school tunnel system because before he got chomped, Simon Pegg was like, hey, go and run into the old underground tunnel system. They're like, okay. So they do that. And then on the walls are like these hieroglyphics made by, I guess, these creatures um, <laughs> that kind of tell the story of the school. And then the one of the, the kids are like, oh, my God, this is a labyrinth made by the creatures. We're literally in their lair. So they're trying to get out of this labyrinth underground tunnel system. And guess who comes back? Nick Frost. He's alive, bitches. He survived <laughs> that. Um, well, well, for now. <laughs> for now. Yeah, we got this backstory about his brother. He had a brother. He went to this school when he was younger, and uh, him and his brother were going to go under in the tunnels and kind of blow the school up. But they got separated in this labyrinth, and then the brother got lost in the tunnel system. Nick Frost got out, and then the tunnels were sealed off, meaning the bro's dead. So you can take a drink for that. <laughs> like uh, 20 years ago so (laughs) nick frost tells the kids how to like blow up the creatures using the gas that's in the tunnels before promptly getting eaten by the creatures so r.i.p nick frost (laughs) so he dies the rest of the kids run away they're almost out of the tunnel system they've had a few run-ins but they didn't get chomped on at some point clemsy kisses dawn not very relevant but it happens (laughs) They're almost out. There's one more creature they have to get past. And Will, who is Don's roommate, tries to sacrifice himself, uh, tries to go out, you know, in a blaze of glory against this creature. And Don's like, what a fucking idiot move. So so he (laughs) saves him. And they all get out of there. All the kids get out safe and sound. And just as they're leaving, there's this thing about... Uh, Will's old roommate gave him this lighter and it's very precious to him. Don's like, give me your lighter. And he lights, gets the flame on the lighter, throws it in the tunnel system. And because there's all this gas from the fracking and from everything else, it blows up the school. It blows up the fracking site. The kids are all good. Uh, We see that Mr. Chips is alive. We see that Simon Pegg is alive. That's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, the, the kids escape into the woods. The school is now blown up. Um, so I guess that's that. That's uh, that's it for that semester. The movie ends with the kids walking away uh, down the road in slow motion. And that's the end of the movie. The rest of the kids coming back after school break are like, what happened here? What did I miss? <laughs> so now that we've kind of went over the movie and all of that, let's go over our final thoughts. 
Now, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this movie. So <laughs> what are you thinking, Ashley? Okay, we talked about this briefly at the beginning, but I do think that my expectations of the movie probably played a big role in why I didn't like this movie as much as I thought I was going to. Because, again, I watched the trailer, <laughs> which is mm, always a bad move. So I went into it just kind of knowing that it was going to be a about these kids who go to this boarding school that Simon Pegg was going to be in it. Um, so I thought it was going to be along the lines of the past movies that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have done, like uh, World's End and Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz, the Cornetta trilogy, even, you know, ones that aren't part of the Cornetta trilogy, like Paul, which is such a good, <laughs> like, alien parody movie. And in a way, that was kind of what we got. Like, you know, there there were funny moments. Like we mentioned, there was a bit of, like, joshing on Harry Potter with some of the dialogue in the beginning. But overall, it, like, wasn't that. Am I... I don't know if it was just me that found that. I didn't find this to be that close to the vibe, I guess, of the Cornetta trilogy. It was a lot darker it was than I expected it to be. Um, like we mentioned, there was a lot of like heavy topics and a lot of the dialogue is delivered very seriously. And I also thought it would be funnier than it was. It was like a mix of being darker than I expected and not as funny as I expected. There were, you know, a couple sort of funny moments, you know, but I feel like most of that came down to like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's acting. It's just like, they are such inherently funny people that when they deliver their lines, they're always funny. <laughs> Maybe it's because they weren't the main characters of this movie. So when they had their scenes and their lines, I loved it. Like, they were so funny every time they were on screen. But because they weren't in a huge chunk of this movie, when it was just the kids that had to drive the plot forward, it wasn't as funny. It was just kind of like... A, more of like a drama, I guess. It was but a bit more realistic than I was expecting. There were a couple of things where I thought a joke was going to come and it didn't. Like they put a bit of uh, emphasis on the kids taking this Latin class um, in the beginning and they mention a couple of Latin phrases and I was expecting them to be like, you know, dirty words or something like a funny phrase in Latin that maybe they mess up or whatever. But they were just like, regular like tempus fugus like yeah. uh, time passes quickly or whatever uh, like it was just like regular phrases and it was just like there were beats like that where i was like expecting a joke but then it it was played off seriously yeah i don't know and and the moments of comedy that did come i, I don't know if they worked as well as they could have because of how serious and dark the rest of the movie was it was like for me like the tone was really off throughout it. I couldn't tell if it was trying to be funny or be taken seriously, basically. Stuff like, the, you know, the scene where Draco <laughs> tries to, like, shoot Don and Ace of Butterfield for smoking uh, <laughs> should have been a really funny scene. They, like, throw a bomb at them and, like, light the lake on fire. Like, that should have been a really funny scene because of how over-the-top it is. That's the kind of stuff that happens in like Hot Fuzz and, you know, all the other Simon Pegg movies is like these super, super crazy stuff that happens. And it's it's how OTT it is that makes it like funny. And this was one of those moments where I was like, that is something I could see in like Shaun of the Dead happening. But it doesn't 
playoff is funny because it comes right after a scene where they're talking about suicide and like this guy killing himself for being gay. It's like it, for me, like the the beats were so off. It was like, oh, we played this scene too seriously that we have to do a joke right after. But it didn't work. The the joke didn't work because it was played right after something really dark and dramatic. And they did this like it wasn't just that one time. It was like a couple times where like specifically they would be talking about suicide and then the second after they would do some like quippy joke to try to lighten the mood I guess but it just didn't work for me because I was like it almost seemed like insensitive you know that they were trying to kind of deal with these dark topics but also no we don't have to deal with it super seriously we'll just play a a joke after I don't know yeah I I totally get that where um I think you're right about the tone being off where some scenes were like a from a comedy and then some scenes were like from a horror movie and then some scenes were like teen drama movie or something like that <laughs> and not only that but like the first half of the movie uh, which takes place in the school and you know like the school system and the hierarchy of students and stuff is completely different and kind of yes. removed from the second half where it becomes kind of like a stranger things hunt for the creatures I completely agree with that about the tone and the pacing being kind of weird. And I did think that it had some similarities with the Cornetto trilogy, but you're right. It doesn't have as many jokes. And I think what it comes down to is, again, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg not being the leads Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie, but also Edgar Wright not coming back to direct this movie because he has a very specific way of making things funny on so many different levels that work well together. Like, he'll make a joke that they say while also doing something visually that is also funny. Um, Like in Shaun of the Dead, this happens a lot. But we didn't get as much visual jokes in this movie. And on a different level, we didn't get as many dialogue-driven jokes. But it did, I, I don't know what about it, it still had a similar style for me to Shaun of the Dead, and it kind of used similar jokes at some points, like, uh, I think in Shaun of the Dead at the beginning, to kind of foreshadow the zombie apocalypse, there's like a hand on the window, and you think, oh my god, it's a zombie, but then it's not. Um, I think they do a similar joke at the beginning of this movie, too. But yeah, it it's not a full Cornetto mo- movie, but it's like in the same realm to me as a as a Cornetto movie and I feel like it was more heavy and dark but it still had some elements there. I think for that reason why you liked it was the one of the reasons why I disliked it because to me it was not enough of a Cornetto type movie that like I tried to look into like the backstory, (laughs) I guess, of like this movie or the like how this movie was made, because I it felt to me like maybe the elevator pitch. It started off as like a typical Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, you know, parody movie. But something in the director wanted to change stuff or the writer wanted to change stuff. I don't know anything for real. I couldn't find any information on it, but it seemed like it was being pulled in two different directions that it was trying to be this kind of really funny, really quirky, quippy, you know, Simon Pegg movie. And and when he was on screen, that was exactly it. I got the feeling of being back in like the world's end and Shaun of the dead and everything. But 
then it would like the next scene go to something super dark and dramatic. And it was trying to be very like, I don't know, it felt to me like it was trying to be taken seriously. For me, like watching Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead is not a, a movie that tries to be taken seriously. Hot Fuzz is not a movie that is trying to be taken seriously. Like you watch these movies for the comedy of it, for the over the topness of everything. You know that they're like, Hot Fuzz is making fun. I, what I what I love about the Cornetto trilogy is they're making fun of these tropes of other movies. Hot Fuzz is making fun of buddy cops. Uh, Shaun the Dead is making fun of uh, zombie movies. And there's all these little like nods to those types of movies that they're ratting on. And it seemed like this movie maybe started off that way in the pitch, but someone else tried to pull it in another direction because it, it also seemed like they were trying to make this maybe a little too grounded, a little too realistic, that it just, for me, it was like there was the potential to be a full Cornetto movie, but it was like reined back. And I think that made me like resent it a little. I was like, go full, go for it. Um, But they didn't. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm not completely sure, but I think Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright wrote all of the movies in the Cornetto trilogy, but I don't think any of them had a hand in writing this movie. I think the guy who directed this movie also wrote it. So maybe it comes down to that where it's um, their movie in that their name is on it. They're acting in it. They're producing it. It's in their company name. But it's not them writing it. They don't have authorial or directorial control over it in the same way that they do in the Cornetto movies. I'm not really sure. But yeah, you're right about it having kind of something missing maybe like the charm of the parody because yes um in those movies they're very like you said very specifically parodying something where it's like yeah these are uh buddy cop movies and these are kind of what's uh ridiculous about them but in this movie like the dark academia style stranger things mashup is kind of it's not really focused on one genre. It's it's kind of all over the place in a way that it makes it hard to parody. And I don't really consider this a parody. I consider this like just a comedy movie. So maybe that's like the prime difference with the, the humor here. But yeah, I also wish, and you know, we do have a, a section about what we would improve in this movie um, if we were part of the writing team, part of the directing team, you know, hot shots uh, <laughs> in their company, uh, what we would improve. And I would have liked a little couple of little like cheeky nods to the Cornetto trilogy, because yes. um, when Nick oh. Frost is on the screen, when Simon Pegg is on the screen, I was expecting them to kind of uh, make jokes about their past roles like there's a, a scene where they're all getting weapons. I was expecting Simon Pegg to get the cricket bat, like <laughs> yeah. a, a nod to Shaun of the Dead, or even if, if a song from one of the movies, like uh, uh, Don't Stop Me Now, came on the radio and Simon Pegg's like, oh, I hate this song, and he turns it off or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like some little nods and references to their past movies, I think would have been a little better and and you're right i think this could have been more cornetto more jokes more visual comedy more just like ridiculousness it was more serious than the other ones but that part's not a huge deal to me because i still like this movie in its own right but, <laughs> yeah i um i found a quote on imdb that i think really like kind of sums up my my thoughts on this movie 
It says an uneven blend of horror and comedy that fails to satisfy on either front. The Slaughterhouse Ooh. Rules aims for B-movie fun, but doesn't make the grade. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to get at at this point. That like it was trying to blend, it was trying to be a horror comedy, but it didn't, for me at least, reach. It didn't reach high enough with the horror or the comedy. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I get why you like this movie. And you know what? I think I understand you more about what you were saying about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies last episode. Because <laughs> this is fully the reverse of that, where for Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, you came into it expecting a parody comedy. And when it was just an action film, you were disappointed in that. And I think that's exactly how I came into this movie. I was expecting a full comedy parody, and it was more of like a serious movie. So I was like disappointed that it wasn't what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be something kind of like epic movie, which I guess is a parody of like every movie, but it has yeah. like some <laughs> X-Men stuff in there. I thought it was going to be like, you know, joshing about. And like we said, there were a couple scenes at the beginning where they they take some lines from Harry Potter and kind of mix them around. You're like, ah, I know, I know where that's from. <laughs> but I thought they were going to play around more with like the tropes. Like we mentioned, like I thought the kids were going to have powers of some kind or we're going to have to train for something special uh, or have to kill each other or be trained to kill or there was something special going to go on with this school especially with the name slaughterhouse to this school <laughs> to me like the payoff of the school being named slaughterhouse because the founder killed a beast in medieval times i was like Okay, I thought they were going to like play into the slaughter part more. Um, and you're right. I did think that the first half was really disjointed with the second half. The first half was that dark academia Harry Potter thing. And the second half was the monster slayer the Stranger Things thing. And they, they didn't really meld together. I don't know. It like they set up all this school stuff in the first half and then they forgot about it in the second half. And the monsters kind of seemed to come out of nowhere for me. I don't know. I just, for me, it was like there was so much potential. Maybe it was just what I built up in my head, but it didn't meet it. And I, I was disappointed when it didn't. Yeah, I get that. That's, it is a little disjointed. For me, aside from Shaun of the Dead in the Cornetto trilogy, I found, maybe because I didn't know anything about The World's End or Hot Fuzz, going into them but I found that their endings to me were also like very out of the blue like the world's end yeah there are aliens I'm like okay I didn't think this was an alien movie in hot fuzz there's like a cult or something at the end or I, I haven't seen them in a long time but there's you know a twist at the end that I'm like what is this and so when that happened in this movie I was like okay this is just kind of a baseline Cornetto movie for me but yeah I totally get uh what you're saying there's something missing from this movie, but I still... Maybe it's because I like the vibes. You know, in Pride of Prejudice <laughs> and Zombies, what it came down to, ultimately, was the vibes. You like the the enemies to lovers, the battle of wits kind of thing. And I was like, yeah. where's the campy? Where's the... <laughs> Where's them falling all over themselves, falling on banana peels? You know, I wanted that that kind of humor. And now it's like Freaky Friday, switch them up. We got the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it just comes down to the vibes, uh, I think. But besides that, I mean, that that was like pretty much my, uh, my plot issues. Oh, you're right. Just general vibe issues. There were a couple scenes that I really, really liked in the beginning. Just to kind of go back to that, like, 
this also has like an element of horror in it that I didn't think it went kind of far enough with the horror. Um, like we've talked a lot about the comedy, but like, you know, we're doing this for uh, our Halloween month for a reason. There was like a kind of spooky horror-ness to it. But there was a, a really great, just like two second shot in the beginning that was kind of like a reminded me of like like Ninth House by Leigh Bardugo, if anyone's read that. Like this kind of like dark academia cult stuff that I thought it was going to go really, really dark with the school stuff, but it didn't. It was this like fantastic transition scene. It was like the the headmaster or something said something creepy or just like sort of mildly unnerving. And all the kids that are in the, the great hall or whatever uh, just then, they all laugh simultaneously at the headmaster's dark joke. And that laugh transitions into a shot of the next scene, which is just like an overhead shot of the forest or whatever. But the laugh turns into this like creepy echo and it transitions to this scene of just like a, a dark forest. And it was like a fantastic like horror shift where it was like the kids start off like, ha ha ha. And then that sound really nicely goes into ah. It's just like it was this really creepy shift that like gave me chills while I was watching. And I, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to see where this movie goes. But it that was like the peak of what they did with the spookiness, uh, everything after. Even like the monsters that come in later were sort of super underwhelming. I was expecting like fully a dragon or something or they set up because, <laughs> um, you know, there are like a couple callbacks to Harry Potter. They talk about Cerberus, the three-headed dog from Greek mythology who famously is also in Harry Potter as Fluffy. I thought the monster was going to be a three-headed dog. I thought that's what they were foreshadowing. But when it was like this little worm thing, I was like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, I didn't mind that it wasn't scary because, again, I'm a, uh, I mentioned this last time, I'm <laughs> like a wimp when it comes yeah. to scary stuff. So I like that it was kind of like more of a campy horror than... More similar to Shaun of the Dead than to any actual horror movie. Um, so I appreciated that because I don't really like scary movies. But yeah, I also wanted to say there are a lot of messages in this movie. Now, whether or not they pulled them off successfully is a, is a different thing. But they did introduce a lot of messages in this movie, primarily, you know, anti-fracking, um, bad for the environment, don't do that. But then there's also these messages of how a lot of world leaders or like Western world leaders grow up going to schools like this that place a little too much emphasis on these old antiquated traditions that are a little out of date and how kids that have, you know, like Draco Malfoy in this movie have power <laughs> over others. War crimes. Well, yeah, often abuse that power. Stanford prison experiment style. Did they pull them off successfully? Maybe, maybe not. But they did introduce a lot of surprisingly thoughtful kind of messages about schools like these. Yeah, about like how um, they kind of talk about like the class divide a little bit with some kids getting in because of their parents and some having to like pay their way through. I like that they introduced those things, especially the the scene where they're talking about how like sort of shitty the school is um and then they're like well this is where all our world leaders start and don is like oh, shit that's deep and yeah. i was like you said it he's like that's um, scary <laughs> oh, spooky spooky season you know again wish they had gone kind of taken it a little further rather than just like introducing the ideas and not really doing 
much with them, but I appreciate that they they did um, talk about them. I had one more like filmmaking thing that I thought could have been streamlined a little bit more just in terms of like how they structured the plot. There was a lot of repeats, I guess. There were a lot of redundant scenes, like in the first like 20 minutes, Simon Pegg goes for a run in the forest and comes across the fracking site. And he's like, oh, my God, they're doing fracking. That's bad. Um, and then like two scenes later, Don and Clumsy go into the forest and they're like, oh, look, a, a fracking site. This is bad. And the fracking people themselves are like, we are doing fracking and we want to get the gas. We want to mine the gas here. And then Clumsy and Don run into Nick Frost and Nick Frost is like, well, those guys over there, they're doing fracking and they want to mine the gas for money. And it's just like kind of over and over. They keep, I don't know, it, it was a bit redundant to have like Simon Pegg discover the fracking and then Don and Clumsy discover the fracking and for the fracking people themselves to say, this is what we're doing. And then the next scene, Nick Frost for to be like, hey, kids, this is what they're doing. It's like, I don't think we needed all those different perspectives. I think if Clumsy and Don had just come across this site out of nowhere and been like, oh, there's a fracking site going on here. And then running into Nick Frost and him being like, well, let me explain, you know, what what their objective is rather than getting like told so many times. I thought they could have filled that space with a bit more world building, maybe like building upon the creatures a little bit more talking about because they for me kind of came out of nowhere or like doing a bit more with the academia stuff maybe introduce some I don't know I just I thought the runtime could have been filled better and <laughs> not repeated so much stuff yeah and it would have been like better suspense wise if yeah they discover it after a little bit more buildup of what is actually going on in the woods like why are we not allowed in the woods and maybe they like try to go there and they get stopped before they can discover yes, the sinkhole or something yes. like that. Or they find like some uh, gross alien slime uh, <laughs> and they're like, mm, what's this? Some mucus, boogers, and, you know, just build up the suspense a bit more. Totally agree. We do, speaking of all of this, we do have a segment, like I said, on this season of the podcast where we kind of say what we would improve. Just to recap, just to reiterate what we have so far is kind of build up that suspense, make the two halves of the movie less disjointed, uh, make the tone overall a little bit less all over the place, add some more humor, get that Cornetto yes. trilogy humor going on. Play um, up the camp, like be more yeah. over the top with everything. Like it, yeah. it, it tried to be serious in some parts and OTT in others. Just like go full over the top. Yeah. And, you know, some nods to Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's yes. past. And some uh, more nods roles. to other academia slash dark academia movies and stuff. I wanted more nods to X-Men and Miss Peregrine and Harry Potter. I wanted them to josh on tropes of those types of movies more. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that, that you would improve? Just to directly compare it to the Cornetto movies because uh, I went back and I rewatched those after I watched this movie because I I was I was kind of feeling like, <laughs> like I was I was missing the the vibe that the original movies had and I noticed that the writing besides just being kind of more clever and comedic in the Cornetto movies versus this one was that in this movie I found that the characters didn't really have any agency like in the Cornetto movies, it's written more like you would typically write a story. Like 
it starts off and Simon Pegg clearly states what he wants to achieve by the end of the movie, whether it's um, he wants to get a girl back or he wants a job um, versus this movie. I didn't really feel like any character got any sort of arc or I don't know. There was nobody had any agency in this movie. Um, I mean, Simon Pegg has this thing throughout the movie where he wants to get back together with Margot Robbie, who he used to be with, um, and she's not with him anymore. But that doesn't happen by the end of the movie. She doesn't take him back and Simon Pegg like dies. <laughs> Same thing with like all the, the, the child characters, which are basically driving this movie. It's kind of set up a little bit in the beginning that the main guy, Don, is being sent to Slaughterhouse because he needs to like straighten out or whatever as like a person. But in the end, he doesn't do that. He's still like, you know, uh, smoking and being kind of a, a delinquent and he has all these delinquent friends. And it's just like, there's no arc for any character. No one has any agency. They're not like directly pushing the plot forward or actively trying to achieve anything. It just felt like they were kind of going through the motions and just riding out the story without actively going after anything the only other like thing really is uh the ending for me i was still left with like a couple questions that maybe you can fill in for me <laughs> we'll try <laughs> um i don't know i mean like other cornetta movies the world's end Shaun of the dead they both had very like kind of open-ended uh, endings but i didn't mind for those because they were so over the top like they weren't trying to be like a serious universe whereas this seemed like it was so when they introduced things and they didn't kind of wrap them up i was a little unsure um the dog first of all i had so many questions about the dog <laughs> okay they build up this whole thing in like the middle of the movie where they're like this is the backstory of this school is there was this knight in medieval times and he killed this beast with his little dog and you see the portrait of the dog and it's exactly Mr. Chips. And then they like pan down to the dog and it's like, that's Mr. Chips. Is he like immortal or something? Is he, is the dog like <laughs> reincarnated? Like what was that? I think what they're trying to say is that throughout the history of the school from the very first, you know, the dude who created Slaughterhouse to the bat, who is Mr. Chip's owner, the the headmaster, the long line of descendants has been so similar. And it's basically the same for centuries. And, and uh, all the traditions are the same. And all the ways of looking at things are the same. And, uh, you know, it's it's just the, the school has not really moved past those old ways, I think is what they're trying to say. Like recently, only like last semester or something, they um, allowed girls into the school. So that's... You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. a long line of just the same kind of person running the school. Gotcha. I was a little confused by that. I thought they were implying that Michael Sheen was like a reincarnation of the night or something. No, I, I don't like, think so. What is going on? Okay. I, I, I get it now. The last thing that I kind of had an issue with, I don't really know. I want to know what your thoughts on this are. But okay. the, the thing about this movie is it kind of had um, a trope that I really don't like, especially in, in horror movies. I know, Ashley, you have kind of this, um, well, not list, but like there's a certain uh, way that characters die off, a certain order, I guess, <laughs> that characters die off in horror movies. Yeah. Um, so in this one, they kind of had the barrier gaze trope 
because Will's old roommate is dead from the start of the movie. He was gay. And at the end of this movie, Will is the only kid when they're in the tunnels that tries to sacrifice himself. And he doesn't die, but he gets very close to it in this movie. And I'm like, I don't know. I love this movie, but this trope needs to retire. And I... I, This trope needs to die. This trope needs to die. And I get that... Uh, Will's old roommate's death had some bearing on the actual plot. It it provided some suspense and mystery, and it's his lighter at the end that saves everyone. And he's not the only gay character, and Will still lives. But still, this trope, it's got a bye-bye-bye, get out of here, instinct style. I didn't really like that. I think if uh, we could change this, I think instead it might have worked better if instead of Will's partner dying, it if Will had a brother that died and then it could have paralleled um, Nick Frost and his brother and Clemsey and her brother. There's a lot of familial relationships in in the story that are very important to the plot. And then, you know, instead of having the, there's these two random nerdy dudes uh, in their house that join them on their little quest. Instead of that, Will could have had like an actual alive love interest that, that joins them. So yeah, that's, I think that's like the last thing that I would improve or change oh my god totally agree it was a little i don't know seemed a little cop-outy to be like asa butterfield is the gay character but you never see the guy never even gets like a photo <laughs> like you never yeah. even see him at all you never see him kiss another guy they just talk about it and he never gets another love interest it's just like asa butterfield's gay anyway also he's depressed and you're just like Okay, and then Acer Butterfield tries to love himself, and you're like, okay, so what's going on here? I don't know. It seemed cop-outy to me to be like, he's gay, but not do anything really with it. And they had those two nerdy dudes that didn't really have any character development or like any personality beyond one of them likes to play D&D or something like that. <laughs> yeah, make him, like, get over. Like, if it had to be an ex-boyfriend, make him sort of learn to love again, learn to love both people and learn to love life through another person. Yeah, and if they used, like, his brother as uh, a sacrifice instead of um, his ex-boyfriend, then in the scene where they're in the car and Clemsy's like, I have to go back for my brother. Will, in that scene, is like, mm, do we, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we could have had a little more empathy and understanding from him if he's like, yeah, I wish, you know, I could have saved my brother. So I totally get that. Yes, agreed. The only other thing that I would change, that I would improve. I said that was the last thing. I lied. Uh, there's one more thing. And it's, it's like, it has no effect on the plot. It's just very, like, you're focusing on this thing instead of what the plot is. And the thing is, in the second half-ish of the movie, Draco Malfoy, in the, in the whole movie, he's been in, like, his little military camo outfit. Oh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yep, I agree. They should not have done that. And... In the first half of the movie, that's fine. That's great. He's, you know, chasing them around with a gun. We get it. He's come from a long line of war criminals. Um, (laughs) In the second half of the movie, when there's like a blackout and everyone's sneaking out and they're fighting off all these creatures and all of that, when we see him again, 
I think it's in the scene where they all go and get their weapons from the gun place that they have in their school, but it might have been a little earlier, is he's wearing this, I want to say that it's camo face paint, but it looks a lot just like blackface, because in later scenes you get a little bit of green in there, but in the earlier scenes when it's like fully on, it does not look at all like camo. It... The thing is, when he first comes in, wearing that, I didn't see the the military uniform at first, so he just kind of comes into the scene, and I'm like, why is Draco Malfoy doing blackface? Yeah, um, And then you see, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess, I get it with the military thing, like, uh, putting mud on your, like, I get why-ish, but at the same time, like, that's not necessary, we get that he's this, like, super militant dude, he's already got his military uniform on. Did we have to go that far? Or, like, literally just do that thing where you take, like, three fingers and swipe them across your face. You get the same effect. You don't have to do full blackface. It's just so jarring and distracting that you're like, what are the other characters saying? Because I'm trying to figure out if he's wearing blackface or not. And I have to believe (laughs) that this was not the intention of the director or the makeup artist or anyone on set, but maybe things come across differently on camera as opposed to maybe he looked uh, a little better in person, I want to hope. But yeah, I don't know how you can watch that scene back and be like, yeah, looks good to me. (laughs) I know. Maybe, like, mm, take a makeup wipe, wipe some of that off as you're looking at it uh, on film and be like, hmm, hey, uh, this looked great in the makeup chair, not super working in the dark lighting that we've set up. Yeah, (laughs) this is not... This is not it. And that's that's literally the only other thing I would have improved. It's just no just no makeup for him. Just no makeup. Even even just a little blush. No, don't do it. Just get away from him. Just pasty white. That's all uh, this character uh, needs. Um, yeah, I... just like the real Draco. <laughs> yes. Okay, I think that's all the thoughts that we have on this movie. I'm curious to see what the internet thought about it. Because we are kind of on opposite sides you are are you are the capulets and i am the montagues yes Ooh, this is getting uh juicy this is a complete freaky friday from last time before we do get into the reviews i do have just a couple of uh, trivia points that i got from wikipedia and from imdb i think these are both actually from imdb the village of upper slaughter which is mentioned in the school myth it's actually a real place in the Cotswold area of, let me try this, Gloucestershire. Hey, British people, does that sound right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer. And that area is is the same county as Sanford, which is the village from Hot Fuzz. And it's also the county Simon Pegg was born in. Oh my god, wow. Okay, that's a connection. Yeah, he's got some home ties um, to this. Uh, I cannot believe that there's a place called Upper Slaughter and people choose to live there. I'm so sorry. (laughs) By the way, if you're from Upper Slaughter, I'm so sorry. But even you got to agree, that's that's a little sus. (laughs) Yeah, that's all the trivia I have. Let's move on to reviews. And just before we get to our reviews... IMDb gave this a 5.3 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 38 from the critics and a 52 from the audience. Okay. Well, speaking of IMDb, we have a couple of reviews that we're going to read out here. The first of which is by user Shaw-Dash 
who gave it a 5 out of 10, and their tagline is, It does not rule. At all. <laughs> a great cast of easily recognizable faces, a mildly interesting plot, and some funny lines scattered throughout. Thank goodness for British humor. But in all honesty, the one terrifying thing is the film overall. Somewhat enjoyable if you don't take any of it seriously. The next review is by user Cynthia <laughs> underscore Fandango, who gave it a 9 out of 10. And their tagline is, a pleasant surprise. After reading the poor reviews on here, my hopes of this being a great film were a little dashed. I still purchased my tickets, and we weren't expecting much, but kept our minds open. Well, would you believe it? We all loved it. The subject matter is very current, and actually quite accurate in a comedic way. Perhaps the bad reviews are from disgruntled pro-frackers not wanting more bad publicity. I would not describe Slaughterhouse as cliched. It is a parody. This is not a scary film. It's actually quite funny. But overall, it's just great entertainment. I love the Cornetto trilogy, World's End being one that became more enjoyable each time that I watched it. Slaughterhouse Rules is easily as good. I disagree. World's Damn. End is one of my favorite movies of all time. So are, are, are you a pro-fracker? Or I just a pro-fracker? <laughs> The last IMDb review is by user Seymour Hicks, who gave it a 10 out of 10. And their tagline is very silly and very funny. Very silly and very funny. Michael Sheen is a scream. <laughs> we also have five reviews from Letterboxd today. The first is by Charlotte, who gave it four out of five stars. And Charlotte says... This isn't even a fictional movie. Private schools just be like that. <laughs> <laughs> the second review is by Molly, who gave it four and a half stars. You're telling me this wasn't an Edgar Wright film? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And then similar to that, the third review is by Lewis Mitchell 21, who gave it two stars. And they say, Edgar wrong. <laughs> <laughs> The fourth review is by Revenge Enthusiast, who gave it three and a half stars. Finally found my token low-rated film. I just kind of wish this had been a miniseries. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And the last review that we have for today is by Charlie, who gave it four and a half stars. And Charlie says, Crispian Mills, who is the director of this movie, right. Okay, what if, okay, hear me out, what if, instead of magic, Harry Potter was actually about how fracking is bad, hear me out, <laughs> and how private schools, which produce the majority of the ruling class, reward sociopathic and antisocial behavior, and there's also actually canonically gay characters this time, and also giant flesh-eating monster moles, me. Everything else is canceled. You're the only one who's allowed to make films now. Go forth and bequeath us your vision. Wow. <laughs> J.K. Rowling who? <laughs> if J.K. Um, Rowling came out and she was like, mm, actually, there was no magic all along. It was just a regular school and there are secret um, gas moles hidden beneath the school. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> uh, and now we got to give our own reviews. And I have a feeling... We both know which direction our reviews are going to go in, so why don't you go first, and, and um, let's see where this goes on a scale of 1 to 10. 
Yeah, okay. I'll be the uh, the Edgar wrong in this scenario. <laughs> if you're new to Bad Movie Sunday, we rate all the movies that we watch on a scale of bad movies. So a 10 out of 10 is not, you know, a perfect film. It's just pretty good for um, a bad movie. And a 1 out of 10 is the lowest that uh, we can go. It's so bad we could barely finish it. I have talked kind of at length about my thoughts about this movie. I do think that my expectations played a pretty big role into why I didn't really like it. I expected it to be more parody-like, more campy, more funny, more OTT. And I didn't I didn't like it when I when it was just kind of like very dark and very serious. And you know, as is often the case which with uh, a lot of the movies that we watch on here, I feel like there was so much potential with the pitch, but the execution didn't quite hit the mark for me. I'm going to give it like a three. Damn, damn, we're literally exactly Freaky Friday. I think that's what I gave for <laughs> Prejudice and Zombies. Okay, well, you know what, that makes sense. I'm going to go a little higher. I think we both know that. <laughs> I did, I enjoyed this movie, like, a lot more than I expected to. Actually, I expected to enjoy it, because it does have Simon Pegg in it, it does have Nick Frost in it. And maybe it's because I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead or the other Cornetto movies in a while. But this movie seemed to me enough like a Cornetto movie for me to like fully enjoy it and immerse myself in it. And I think that also has to do with the fact that I love these like dark academia, boarding school type stories like Harry Potter and Dead Poets Society and, and stuff like that. And so and, you know, speaking of Dead Poets Society, a lot of these themes were touched upon not including the creatures, but the other things <laughs> were kind of touched upon in that movie, too. So, yeah, I, I like this movie and I thought it was funny enough and it was like scary enough for me, which is not at all. But I like it that way. <laughs> and so I'm going to go um, give it like a seven. I think this yeah. could become like a new Halloween staple for me. It's not like super Ooh. Halloweenish, but it was very enjoyable, I thought. So, yeah. This Freaky Friday is coming full circle. I wonder what next week, or the week after, I should say. Uh, I wonder if we're going to disagree again. Well, I am curious. You know, maybe October will be our spooky month in terms of we disagree on it. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, we'll be able to bring it together in the end and come to a, a consensus back to our normal way of uh, rating stuff. Yeah, the um, curse maybe will be lifted because our last Halloween movie is going to come out on Halloween. <gasps> oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not very often that we got a, a spot right on October 31st, but we got it. We got lucky this year. Yeah, that's a good spot. Oh, wow. Okay. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Yeah, but in the meantime, if anybody in the audience has seen Slaughterhouse Rules and you want to settle this debate for good, was it a good movie? Should it have been more uh, of a of a scary movie? Uh, we want to hear your thoughts. You can email them to us at badmoviesundaypodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter or Letterboxd. We are at BMS Podcast on both. And you can also, I mean, we have some some time before our last Halloween-themed episode comes out, and we have the rest of the year to do fun movies. So if you have any suggestions for other movies we can do, email them to us, tweet them to us. We would love to know your thoughts on those. And just want to say thank you to Kevin McLeod for providing our theme song, The Song is Riptide, and you can find it 
on his website, incompetech.filmmusic.io. In the meantime, we have been Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. We hope you have a good Halloween coming up uh, this month. Just in general, for me in general, all of October is like a spooky month. Um, We didn't say it last time. So um, happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners out there as well. That was uh, Thanksgiving was last week. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah. And we will see you next, next week.